Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckle. This is episode 73. I'm your host, Carter E., joined as always by my producer, Jeff Mulvihill Jr. of InstaImage.com. Uh, before we get started today, though, I would like to thank today's title sponsor that is Played Against Sports in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center, your best place to go for gently used and new sporting equipment needs. You can find them online at www.playedagainstsports.com. Jeff, I know we didn't uh, didn't hear from you last week because we had an interview, but how are you doing? I'm getting better. <laughs> and I'm getting better because my my van will be back soon. Oh, it is being fixed. Okay, as we speak. Okay, so it's a it was a sooner potentially a sooner return than you may have imagined. It's taken um, it, it's taken some patience. Let's mm-hmm. say that because I there's a lot in in motion to make this all happen, and it was. A bad situation, and but it's almost rectified, and I will have it back. I like my wife's car, but I like my car better. So I can see the I can see the uh, the want to just pour out of all yes. the things you want to complain about yes. about that. But yes. but uh, Jeff Jeff holds strong here. Of course, we've got some uh, results from this weekend and from earlier this week from the the Northern Nevada high school sports scene. Uh, quite a bit to. To cover there, uh, for those of you who missed last week, we had Douglas High pitching coach Steve Sullivan on. That was a that was a good episode, if I do say so myself. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I was just mesmerized sitting there. You guys, you guys talking, and again, how beautiful it was. And today it's supposed to be not so nice, but again, beautiful down there, nice and warm, and just the him talking and and me picturing what's going on. That was super fascinating. So definitely. there, there's so much that goes into. Pitching and really baseball, like people, a lot people will find themselves saying, you know, baseball is boring, and I get it, right? Like I, I understand, but if you're willing to look past like the obvious, you know, nobody's hitting the ball or you know, nobody's scoring runs, like if you're able to, you know, kind of focus on individuals, you know, it's team sport, but if you're able to focus on the pitching side of things or you know, in at bat and seeing how. Uh, a player approaches in that bat. It's it really is a fascinating sport to me because there's so much that goes on, and you know, so much of it is is failure, right? You know, hitting hitting 300 is hitting three out of ten is considered good, right? So seven out of ten times you're not getting on base. Um, it's it's just uh, baseball, softball. You know, obviously those numbers are similar, and sports are similar. It just fascinate me because because of that and because of the way it's evolved, I guess, since I was a kid. Um, on the psychology, we, we've talked about this, we touched on it a lot, but the psychology of different sports and the psychology of, of because I, I cover the, the Little League All-Star Tournament for a lot of years now, and they're so angry and so upset and you know they're batting 500 for the tournament it's like dude that's like phenomenal yeah you don't you don't get what you've just done yeah. And yeah okay you just struck out but that kid on the mound he's throwing gas today and he's he's in a whole new whole new different world that he's been so you know sometimes that's the way it goes yeah absolutely and uh you know it's funny i i might piss off some listeners who might be oakland a's fans but I mean, I they, didn't know they, there were any of those left. Yeah, I was going to say respectfully that the A's are doing a good enough job of that on their own. I don't think I'll I'll damage too many feelings here, but 
It's it's possible for me to argue that the Moneyball did not work for the A's because yes, they made the playoffs, right? But they didn't win a World Series, which obviously is kind of your your end goal. And I know only one team can win a World Series, but it got copied so fast, right? Because professional sports are all copycat leagues. If one team sees something that works, they pick it up and they start doing it themselves. And sure, it worked for the small market Oakland A's team, which, I mean, they spend like a small market, but they are not in a small market. They are in one of the biggest markets in the U.S. However, yeah, they didn't, never got past the ALCS. Apologies, I usually am pretty good about muting my uh, my technology that I did not catch there. But um, it's fascinating that, obviously, they're horrible now, but they were so close, and yet, Winning 90-something games got them to the playoffs. But in the playoffs, you know, Moneyball approach only takes you so far. And I think that's a really interesting way to to look at baseball from the, you know, 90s, early 2000s because it's changed a lot since then. And there's so much in terms of numbers and data. And as we talked about last week with, with Steve, you know, mechanics and – the best way to throw a baseball, even the best way to hit a baseball, has the whole philosophy has changed because of data, and that that to me is is kind of mind altering. I guess it's 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 just there's so many things to look at, and yeah, again, I guess this all kind of relates back to people who say baseball softball is boring. I don't know if you know what you're looking for, and you can you can obviously find interest in in the numbers side of things. I. I think it's truly fascinating that the game has been taken over by data. And uh, And it's not just baseball. It's happening to other sports as well. And which I'm I'm really curious and, and like in soccer, you've got VAR. Mm -hmm. What does that, what does that say to the grassroots referee that's out, you know, at a tournament this weekend that has no help. Parents are nagging at him. Coaches were ripping on him. The players on the field, I, I just I'm really curious how any of this is going to, you know, the whole trickle down idea and you know, statistics and all of those things, you know, game changer and these things are trying to make the job easier for some people. But is there analytics that are now coming out of that that people are starting to look at? So I, I would I would guess and Steve talked about it a little bit last week with there's new technologies out there to help and he's excited to get it you know, get into them. And, and when he's got some, you know, he's not working a, a full-time job mm-hmm. in addition to his full-time <laughs> job. So I'm really curious how that's all going to kind of filter down. Um, I would think analytics is going to come first before video review. I mean, you can't, we're not going to televise a, a kid's soccer There's game. There's not enough, not enough money no. in prep sports. Well, and what's the benefit? Um, you know, that we, too. But that jump now, because it's happening in college, you know they're definitely doing the analytics in college and all sports. When is the when are these things gonna you know is high school ever gonna happen? Youth sports, I can't imagine them ever gonna just no money. But I'm curious, you know these these massive food. You and I were just talking about Texas and and the massive football programs that are there in high school. Is it already happening? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. You look you look elsewhere. There's. I mean, there's a stadium they built in Texas, a high school stadium, not more than two decades ago that seats, you know, 30,000 people for 
uh, high school football. And I've never lived in Texas, but I know high school football is different there than it is up here. And not to get too sidetracked away from, you know, what I plan on talking about here in just a second with, you know, what's happened over the last few days. But I do think that instant replay at a national level, right, with professional sports has kind of ruined, not ruined, that's not the right word, but uh, kind of change the way we look at youth sports because everybody wants a slow motion replay. Everybody yeah. thinks they've seen it right the first time. And if you go to replay, you're going to prove that so-and-so is right. Well, I think you'd be surprised. Uh, people miss stuff all the time. And uh, yeah, just because you're sitting 20 rows up doesn't mean you got a better view than an umpire or referee. And I think that's why so many officials are just badgered constantly. But yeah, I'm not sure slow motion replay has done it for youth sports. Uh, it is obvious. I fully embrace it for pro sports. I, you know, obviously there are little things that are annoying, but yeah, I do. I do think replay has ruined a bit of a bit of the youth sports side, and obviously that's a lot more on parents these days. And I won't dive into that. But I think too, you have the. I'm going to call it entitlement. Well, I videoed the game, and this proves that you did it wrong. Well, in the heat of the moment when you're out there and you're making a judgment call, it doesn't matter what sport it is, you th- you are focused on what you think you saw and called it the way you f- – it's like these people are trained. You don't just put a green referee out and do some higher-level game. That's just – that's brutal, <laughs> and you just don't do that. You know, nobody wants that. And so. again, not to get too too far down this this uh, this banter rabbit hole here, but have you ever told a story like ten years later and realized you've totally misinterpreted what you thought <laughs> you saw from a few years ago? More than likely, that I played sports happens live all the time. You think you saw it one way, and I promise you, you probably didn't. I mean, sure, in certain situations, yeah, you saw that right, and it, the the call got missed, whatever. But more often than not. You might kind of, your brain's funny. It plays tricks on you. And, you know, there's a lot of, speaking of data, there's a lot of research that goes into people remember things the way they want to. And, yeah. um, well, and, and being behind the camera, I can't tell you how many times. In fact, it just happened um, at a softball game. I, I'm looking at the photos and I, you know, I saw the call and I'm looking back at the photos going, I'm sorry, but I have no idea how you, how you made that call. I mean, there's nowhere that you could have been standing. It's just a dirt cloud. All you can see <laughs> was dirt everywhere, sliding into third, and the you know the foot coming in, and it just was a big poof of dirt. Like, I don't know how you saw anything there, but the call got made, so. Just gotta be confident, I guess. Yep. And, uh, yeah. I will take the side of a referee almost exclusively over somebody sitting 20 rows up in the stands. Right. Even, even in the first row in the stands, you're still... At least at these prep prep games, you're further back than I am more often than yeah. not, and I'm I'm not going to argue with with most of these calls, and yeah. even if I do, it's going to be be very uh, well, usually slight it's an eyebrow raise. Or yeah, it's, mm, oh, okay, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have we officially uh, sidetracked far enough away from sure. the this weekend's results? I, I 
we started on baseball and then we got on officials and replay and it's 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 welcome Technology. to behind, welcome to behind the bench everybody uh <laughs> we will hear from uh carson high distance runner jenny ponzak in a, in a second i had a feature story in this weekend's paper about the distance runners for uh, not only the carson high girls track and field team but i also talked to sawyer macy on the the boys side they have been very impressive so far um i definitely think that story is worth reading i mean i wrote it so that's a little biased but um We'll hear from uh, Jenny Podzak in a second. Um, that is from an interview earlier this week, but or from late last week. But uh, I do think it's it's cool to hear hear their insight. And uh, you know, distance running is a whole just art and a, a level of mental stamina that I do not have, <laughs> and uh, I cannot I cannot run for fun. So I respect everybody who who does because it is so much more impressive than I ever gave it credit for as a kid. And uh, I think think anybody who might be listening to this who's, you know, in the 15 to 18 range, uh, go ahead and go ahead and try to run run two miles and see how see how much you want to want to quit by the end of that, because these these boys and girls are doing it multiple times a week. And they're they're doing two miles and what normal what normal person would do one. Right, right. And you're talking about I mean, let's look at some of the 1,600 <laughs> results from just this weekend at Carson High, where Sawyer Macy won in a PR in 4:36. That's that's a mile in four minutes and 36 seconds. That is insane to grab your just mentally grab. I, the fastest mile I ever ran was eighth grade. I I didn't try too hard after that. PE the PE miles didn't I didn't push myself as hard as I could have. I never got closed four minutes and 36 seconds. I was not a sprinter. I definitely would consider myself more of a distance runner. <laughs> 436. That is absurd. So that's a that's a PR for Sawyer Macy. He set that this weekend uh, at, at the, the Carson High uh, main main meet, main league meet. Again, I also talked to Sawyer for, for that story um, from this weekend, so be sure to check that out online at www.nevadapeel.com backslash news backslash sports. If we take a look around the rest of the results there, though, um, Ava Brem for the Senators was fourth in the 100 meters, and then she also took fourth in the 200 meters as well. Um, but then you get to the, the 1600 where Madison Hager was second in 550, and then this is the reason why... She's a freshman. Mm-hmm, she's a freshman. Uh, get to the reason why I wrote this story. Freshman Vea Minor, sophomore Ginny Ponzak, who we'll hear from second, and freshman Hannah Budd were second, third, and fourth in the 3,200. So a ton of team points there uh, for the Senators. And Davis, a sophomore, finished first in the 100-meter hurdles as well. Um, but before I get too, too sidetracked from it, I know I've brought it up a couple times, let's let's hear from uh, Jenny Ponzak, who I talked to, uh, like I said, last week at practice. Start with congrats on qualifying for Sacramento. Oh, thank um, you. I wasn't wasn't aware of that, so I'm guess I'm curious what that what that means to you. Um, well, I guess at, there were certain times that we had to get in order mm-hmm. to qualify, and at the beginning of the season, when I heard some of the times, I was not feeling super confident. But then, as the season progressed, I was like, oh, that might actually be something that I can do. And so then, last night we find out who we found out who qualified, and that was just really exciting to find out that I had qualified and that I'd been able to improve enough for that. What do you think allowed you to improve to, to that time that you may initially have not have thought you were going to be able to reach? I think 
just being able to run with the other girls so that like we could push each other like we did during cross country because last year I didn't have as many people to push me and I didn't improve as much and this year I was I've been running with them and during racy races we'll push each other and it's been really helpful. Yes, do you think that there's other than having other girls push you, is there anything you're kind of uh, focusing on while you're while you're running distance races? Um, while I'm running, I try to keep like my laps consistent, like okay. the same time for each lap, just because that helps with your overall speed. Rather than having like some really fast laps and some really slow laps, just keeping it consistent can be really helpful, and my times are often better when each lap is more consistent. Okay, and uh, I guess for you now that you qualified for Sacramento, is there any other goals you have for the for the rest of the season? Um. Or any times you wanna you're trying to hit now? I mean, I would love to break 11:45 in the two mile. Okay. That would be really cool. Yeah. I guess for you for you personally, I'm always curious what the how, how you approach the difference between cross country and track and field, obviously, uh, you know, going from a circle to, to hills and, and running roads and stuff. Uh, do you have a preference on one or the other? I prefer cross country. Okay. It's it's really fun, and it's a different course every time. You're mm -hmm. not just running circles, which right. can be repetitive, and it's just always something new. And it's I just think it's a lot more fun. I think that's all the questions I got. Thanks, Jenny. Right. appreciate it. Thank you. Running through some of the rest of the results from the Carson High Meet this weekend, the Carson girls 4x1 team finished third. Uh, if we get down into the shot put, Anella Mitchell was fifth. She's a senior with a throw of 30 feet, 2 inches. That is a PR for her. She was also third in the discus with another PR of 96 feet, uh, 6 inches. Douglas's Megan Strand and Sophie Marshoot were 1 and 2. They have been tops in most of the meets and the throws uh Marshute was second in the shot put with a throw a little over 33 feet while strand was fourth and then you get into the long jump where douglas's bliss moody and elizabeth knighting were one and two and then ann davis and mckenzie fernandez were three and four there rachel bush was second in the triple jump for carson as well with a leap of 31 feet two and a half inches on the boys' side, Alexander Myrene won the discus throw with a PR toss of 135 feet, 8 and a half inches there. Uh, that's pretty pretty impressive stuff from the uh, thrower's side of the st things there. Um, elsewhere, like I said, Sawyer Macy had a, a solid performance winning the 1600. Uh, Douglas's Jackson Davis was second in the same event. He was three-tenths of a second off of Sawyer Macy, so you know, try running a mile and then, you know, trying to make up three tenths of a second at oh, the very chasing bitter end. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Davis got the better of Macy in the 3,200. Davis finished in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Sawyer Macy was in 10:14 there to go one, two. Luke Davis was third for Douglas in 10:39. I'm um, getting up into some of the sprints. I believe, there will be a story coming out on the Douglas Sprinters here in uh, a week or two. Uh, you know, we'll get there. I guess I kind of beat myself to the punch there by saying that out loud. But AJ Thurston was fourth with a time of 11.39 in the 100 meters. Joshua Nelson was fifth. You get to the 200, though, where AJ Thurston won the event with a 22.8. Uh, Kevin O'Connell was second in 23.4 there uh for douglas as well 
Continuing down, Bliss Moody was third for uh, Douglas in the 100. Ava Brim, excuse me, I already said that. Elizabeth Knighting was fifth uh, for Douglas there in the sprints. Uh, Kevin O'Connell was fourth in the 400. And uh, Jackson Davis, as I alluded to, won the 3200. He also won the 800 with a PR of 204.75. You want to talk about crazy events. The 400 and the 800... You got to be a little, a little different to to want to run those events. I mean, the four hundred is one lap around the track. We we all know that, but the speed you have to run that at to <laughs> finish with the top time is a little asinine, if I if I do say so myself. Because you don't get to pace yourself. It's a sprint, and and you think that. You know, if you're running distance, you get to pace yourself on that first lap. You want to set a, you know, set a good pace, get yourself ready so you're not gassed. Well, 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 go run a lap as hard as you can. And uh, that is just different. Well, um, most of those kids are competing in other events as well. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, obviously you want to give them some rest time before. But, yeah, I, I the 200, 400, I agree with you. It's It takes a different breed of kid. He's, yeah, and we, as I just said, you know, Jackson Davis, who won the 800 and the 3200, also ran the 1600 this weekend. So that's, you know, over 5,000 meters. That's multiple miles, let alone the warm-up time they're, they're running in the infield. That's, you know, multiple miles in, in one day. And oh, he does that without, without, yeah. without much thought. Um, over to baseball and softball here the douglas softball team just continues to tear it up they've won 11 in a row they are now way out in front in the 5a north they're 9 and 0 in league play spanish springs is second at 6 and 2 in league play spanish springs did beat douglas in the season opener but douglas has since gotten uh revenge in or avenged that loss uh, of course, this weekend Douglas went and beat Reno sixteen to one, and then twenty two zero in uh, run rule innings, run rule games. There, the Tigers have been absolutely mashing the ball. Talia Tretton hit two homers in that second game. Dakota Till has homered in, I don't know, like six or seven games so far this year. Haley Wilkinson is absolutely slash. Her slash lines are insane. I don't have access to those uh, right at this moment, but. Uh, Douglas softball coming off a 2022 5A North regional title. Um, they were the favorites coming into this season, and they are certainly proving that they are going to be a team to beat. They've only lost once since March 11th. So in the last, today's April 17th, in the last five weeks, they've lost one time. The one that, and that those slugging numbers are even more impressive because mm-hmm. they're only playing three innings. Yeah. Yeah, so and you only have a few opportunities to get up there and swing <laughs> maybe, that bat. Maybe one or two at bats, and that's it. So you know, it's not not a six seven inning game. It's done. You're yeah. out. Yeah, there's there's plenty of feature stories to be had with that that Douglas softball team. They are, um, as I said, the the favorite to to win the five A North, and hopefully we'll get one of the the coaches maybe maybe we'll get a player on uh the podcast here in the in the next week or two we'll see how we'll see how that goes i won't i won't promise anything just yet but uh i will let you you all in on the fact that that is in the works um over to carson softball they have done a good job of splitting their last two double headers they 
uh, fell in the first game to Reno in the middle of the week last week before coming around and beating them 15-5 to in Game 2. Same deal with Galena this past weekend. They lost the first game and then came back and beat the Grizzlies 15-5 to in Game 2 there as well. They're finding some offense. That's kind of been their, their key to success when they can hit the ball and hit it well. I know they've got several players who have done a done a good job of finding uh, finding gaps or just hitting the ball over the fence, whether that's uh, Corin Duran, uh, Reese Branham, Keely Frank, Kylie Franco, Keely Franco, um, and a, another number of others. I know they also have Jasmine Slater in the, the leadoff spot. Jeff, you've got a grin on your face. I, I feel laugh. like there's something coming. I was laughing. I was at the game against McQueen and Corey hit went off the fence and <laughs> I was in the dugout of the McQueen team and the coach is like that was a really angry hit <laughs> I'm like yes it was <laughs> over to the uh, baseball side of things where Douglas sits at 8 and 12 they are 5 and 7 in league play they've played a few more league games than everybody else so right now they sit in 6th uh, but the Galena and Spanish Springs are also right there with five wins. McQueen has four. Uh, for Carson, they are four and fifteen. They are two and seven in league play. But get ready, we got Carson Douglas this week as well. I believe that is a Tuesday game. We are taping this here Monday morning, but I believe that is a Tuesday baseball game between Carson and Douglas, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, we also have Carton, Carson and Dayton softball. On Tuesday as well, so it's going to be a going to be a tough coverage day for for me. But we'll we'll make it work in some form or fashion. Of course, we'll have results from swimming and um, golf in this weekend's paper, at, or excuse me, this Wednesday's paper as well. But otherwise, Jeff, you know anything else that's caught your eye over the last few days? I think that that might just about do it for episode 73. The dip in the weather. I mean, we've been talking bad about the weather, but honestly, tomorrow's supposed to be down in the 40s again. So I'm not looking forward to that, but it's supposed to spark back up and get warm. Mm-hmm. So it is supposed to be some beautiful days. But I was going to say this weekend, I spent a ton of time outside, obviously, you know, with with coverage and, and what else. Um, but yeah, it needs to it needs to stop freezing at night. I yeah. need to. I want to. I want to start planting things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mother's Day. Otherwise, that's going to do it for episode seventy three here of Behind the Bench. Excuse me. Um, thank you to today's title sponsor in Played Against Sports. You can check them out in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center, your best place to go for new and gently used sporting equipment needs. You can find them online at www.playitagainsports.com. Thank you to my producer, Jeff Mulvahill, as well. Instaimage.com there. And we will catch you guys next week. Be sure to read up on everything, including a feature story on Chris Smalley, who's playing in the spring football uh, this week. But you can check that out online at www.nevadaappeal.com backslash news backslash sports. Uh, That's going to do it for this week. We will talk to you guys soon. Take it easy. Take it easy.